Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night, this is Extra Time on SENZ. Just coming up after 9 o'clock here on the program, great to have Greg Murphy, Stephen McIver bringing your things motorsport between 7 and 9. Always enjoy listening to those two. And again, well done to Scotty McLaughlin, well done to Scott Dixon, certainly looking forward to this weekend's final round of IndyCar. Now normally off the back of those songs I would come in and I would sing. And I would sing and people would appreciate my singing. But Garth Galloway, cricket commentator, Noticed the other day that, in fact, I can't sing and picked me up on it. I said, yes, but I'm a little bit abstract. I'm a little bit of a Picasso. You know, in 30 years' time, you're going to wake up and realise the genius. But I've decided, hey, too much of a good thing's not a good thing, so I'm not going to sing tonight. I'm not going to sing tonight. Telephone number, however, and I do want to get your thoughts, uh, particularly on the cricket, any other sporting matter. I know that probably there's been a lot of opportunity today but there will be people out there in Radio Land who have been listening who haven't maybe had a chance to have their say on that Chapel Hadley telephone number is 0800 150 811 you can text us here on 8833 after 10 o'clock Andy Buckley BBC commentator uh, calls a lot of games for Manchester City he's going to join us on the programme we're going to look at the Champions League another big win for Manchester City Uh, Liverpool, Spurs playing tomorrow and another loss for Chelsea. So all things football after 10 o'clock. But let's kick it off with the man who we had on the show on Monday to preview the Chapel Hadley. Now a chance to reflect after the first game. New Zealand, 232 for nine. You would have thought, well, that's not really enough. However, at one point Australia were 44 for five. But somehow... We managed to let it get away. Garth Galloway joins us on the programme. Garth, good evening. Welcome. Uh, hi, Mark. We did let it get away. <laughs> You're right. I didn't sing tonight, Garth. No, that was good. I, I, I was struggling a bit with the music, but then you mentioned that Liverpool had won and Chelsea had lost, so I'm happy. It's all good. Mm, subjective, isn't it, music? And football. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let, let's sum this game up. Certainly we didn't score enough runs, did we? But when we had England at 44 for five, we should have walked all over them. And the big talking point is why wasn't Trent Bolt bowled for a longer period of time? Why do you take your best bowler off? What, is it a PowerPoint presentation? Is everybody just automatically tired after four or five overs, are they? No, it's a good, it's it's, it's a fair point and one that people are entitled to ask. Um I suppose, and you know, I mentioned on Monday night to you, and I've mentioned it a number of times, that I, you know, Kane Williamson is a magnificent player and from all accounts a wonderful human being, you know. So um, let's not forget how good he is, but I don't think captain sees a strong suit. 
And I said that to you on Monday, and I think we saw it again last night. And, you know, can you imagine uh, with uh, Australia at 27 for four and then 44 for five, a team captain by, for example, McCullum or even Stephen Fleming, that they would uh, take Bolt off or uh, not introduce Ferguson and instead play two spinners? Madness. Okay, I'm going to ask you the question that you always ask when we sort of are suggesting that perhaps Kane Williamson's not the right guy to captain this side, and I'm in agreement with you, and I think a lot of people are. When you run through that batting lineup, when you run through that New Zealand team, who would you have as captain? That's the problem, uh, and, and, and that is the problem. And, and I think, you know, before you... Uh, so I'm not necessarily saying he should be replaced. You know, when you when people ring up, talk back and say so-and-so should be dropped, I mean, I think that, that you always have to have the, the question, who should be their replacement? And so the question you ask is a fair one. Uh, Latham has been used a lot. You know, I think Tom Tom's a really fine cricketer and a hell of a good bloke as well. Um, is he the next answer in terms of captaincy? He seems to be anointed in that role, uh, but I'm not so sure again. I think... Uh, you know, for, uh, the, the thing with New Zealand, and I think our resources are going to get thinner rather than, you know, stay where they are because we're going to see Bolt disappearing. The Grand Holm, less of, less of a concern, but is gone. I look at Guptill in the one-day game and his figures and think he won't be far from going. Taylor's gone. Um, Southie will get a few more years out of. A lot of players are going to disappear. So we, we've we got to, in, in order to win games and to be competitive, and this is why they were so successful under McCullum, you've got to be aggressive. You, you can't afford to sit back and wait for things to happen or hope that they will happen, and that's what they did last night. They decided, they, they were spooked, in my view, uh, in a, you know, about the Australian tale. They looked at the batting lineup and they thought it's long, and, and they thought, we'll try and have a go mm. at them later on. They should have knocked them out. Now, who's the future captain? Uh, is it Latham? Well, I'm not so sure. But but if I was in there, and the irony now, and I can imagine people will be kicking and screaming for me saying it, but Saudi would be my captain. Now he's not playing. Uh, but for me, he's the person who is uh, probably most like McCullum in terms of strategy. He's been around a long time. He's got another couple of years to go. Uh, I think that he he would be well-placed to do it, but he's got to get in the mm. playing 11 first if he's not for this stuff. Okay. Key bowler for Australia, Adam Sampa, their spinner, 10 overs, 1 for 38, but he got the key wicket of Devin Conway when Conway was on 46. Our answer to him, um, and we've had this discussion a lot in the past, is Mitchell Santner. Um, Is there an alternative to Mitchell Santner? Does he have enough of an X factor to warrant himself a place in this one-day side? Yes, he does. I, I think Santner's record in one-day cricket is, is very good, and his record against Australia is exceptional. So he, he would be one of my first pick players. You know, we've talked about him in the Test team before. I wouldn't play him in Test cricket. So yes, he does. Um, I don't think he should have come on when he came on last night. I would have bowled, and you heard Bolt saying, which was interesting, is he was thinking of having a sixth, seventh, or eighth over. <laughs> so he thought he was going to be kept on. Um, but if you took, when you took Bolt off, if you were going to think, oh, well, and it's kind of schoolboy stuff in my view, where you say, right, you have your five, 
and then you come back for another five. Yeah. That's just that sort of Ga- program that... Yeah, Garth, yep. I, I call it the sort of the PowerPoint presentation. It's almost sort of preordained. I see it a lot even in rugby with the All Blacks. You know, we saw it in that first test against Argentina. Oh, let's just take our entire front row off after 44 minutes. Forget how well they're playing, yep. but we've we've decided this is what we're going to do and therefore we do it without actually having that ability to, you know, change as the game progresses. Yeah, same thing. They were, they, they were, uh, my view is they were stuck on a plan. They had a plan. Uh, interestingly, Australia did the same thing that New Zealand did. So Stark and Hazelwood bowled at the top. They were fantastic, I thought. They were really good. Now, New Zealand in the power play, six overs, had 29 dot balls. Mm. And that just tells you how much New Zealand was struggling against Stark and Hazelwood. And then Guptill got out four overs and four balls. And then they brought in Zampa and, and less successfully Maxwell, except he took four for 52. Mm. He was a bit more expensive. The, the situation, though, when Australia was batting was quite different. They were 27 for four. Mm. Uh, you know, and then after um, a bolt had been taken off, uh, you know, Henry picked up another wicket. They were 44 for five. You, you had to put Ferguson on. If you're going to take bolt off, You've got to get a guy bowling 147 k's an hour at them. You do not allow players like Green and Kerry to settle in against spin bowling. And that's exactly what they did. And, you know, the rest was history. And if you listen to the TV commentators, at 99 for five, they were starting to say Australia have got this game won. And that just tells you how much they backed themselves. And and, and New Zealand gave them that opportunity. And, And we haven't won a game over there for 13 years. And you can see why. Mm. I mean, Martin Guptill again struggling overseas, plays very well here out for six. But then you had Conway, good solid start, 46. Williamson, 45. Tom Latham, 43. But neither of or any of those batsmen actually kicking on, scoring the 100 or scoring 80 or 90 runs. What can we put that down to? Why are we somehow getting into the 40s and there appears to be that lack of concentration, all picked up by Maxwell? I think that... um for me, it, it's not easy. So they've played, as we talked about a couple of days ago, you know, they've been overplaying against uh, the Netherlands, Scotland and Ireland, and you're not going to improve against players like that. And then suddenly you end up in Cairns on this tour. And so the, so in fairness to New Zealand, the conditions are different and they're up against a much, much more uh, competent attack. So, so it's not easy. My impression of them was that they decided quite early on that this was a 2.30 pitch and that's what we're going to play for. Okay, and they weren't too far off that when you look at the scores. 2.50 would have been nice. The issue really was that in the first six to ten overs, we weren't scoring enough singles and twos. And and we were just crease-bound, and I think we'd got into this mindset that we'll score 2.30 or 2.40 and take our chances. And, And they just didn't look for those runs. So if you look at... Conway, 46 off 68, so at strike rate of 67. Williamson, 45, strike rate 63. Latham, 43, strike rate 75. Mitchell, 26, strike rate 78. And then you look at the Australians. Warner, 20 off, 20 with a strike rate of 80. Green, 89 not out, strike rate 96. Carey, 85 not out, strike rate 85. But, you know, you've got to get your strike rates up. Mm. So, so that's where I think New Zealand really struggles. So tomorrow... Uh, you know, you're going to have to see Guptill yeah. and Conway just being a bit more purposeful. It's surprising, though, but the amount of T20 cricket our guys play, you, you'd you think that would almost just be automatic now, that those high strike rates. I mean, we even see at Test cricket yeah. just how quickly we score runs now in Test cricket compared to what we, say, did 30 years ago. 
Yeah, I agree. But 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 in fairness to the players, I think it's really hard um, to, to head off to Cairns. It's 30 degrees. You saw the sweat dropping out of the, the helmets. And, and they're facing, uh, you know, Stark and Hazelwood. And they are a very different different set. So, I mean, the interesting thing for me is now, how do they, what do they do now, Mark? Can they come back from this? Mm. I would be surprised. I think there's a lot of psychological damage done by that because they know, and the, and the way that they've spoken about Bolt not bowling on and things is less than convincing. They got it wrong, they got it very wrong, and they're paying the price. What can they do now? Well, you know, Hazelwood and Stark, they, somehow they've got to try and stra- to change their strategy. Mm. Okay, but let's look at the Australians. You talk about psychological damage. I mean, Warner um, seems to play well in Australia, but he's been under a little bit of pressure when he's played away. Aaron Finch is under a huge amount of pressure to keep his place in the side. Another failure at five. Smith and Labajane won, and Labajane out for a duck. Um, I mean, there is potential weakness, though, there at this time of year in Cairns? Absolutely. Oh, they're vulnerable. Yeah, you bet they are. And if if and who knows which what pitch they're playing on tomorrow? They're on the same ground, obviously. But um, the the pitch did seem to get easier. That was a fair comment, I think, made by the New Zealand side. Uh, yeah, yeah, look, Finch is incredibly vulnerable. He's having a terrible run. Um, Smith struggled. Uh, Labuschagne struggled. Stoyner struggled. But the point is, but I mean, for me, they're struggling against Bolt, who is just a magnificent bowler. And I thought Henry bowled well as well. So. They are vulnerable at the top. There's no question about that. But if we get an opportunity like we got a couple of days ago, New Zealand have just got to put the, the foot on the throat and, and kill them, basically. Mm. You, know, you can't just sit back and think, we'll, we'll take wickets later on. Not against Australia. Mm. OK, I want to talk about Cameron Green. Is he going to be the next great Australian all-rounder? He's played um, 14 tests and he's played just 11 ODIs, but he was very, very good against England in the Ashes. And again, he, he was arguably the difference last night. Yeah, look, I thought he was magnificent. I mean, he was dropped by Bolt, which was unfortunate. Uh, that that might have changed the game when that occurred, um, and uncharacteristic for Bolt. But Green looks, you know, wonderful. A bowler who bowls in in Test cricket, he's been bowling around 140 or over at times, and you know, Australia have got three or four players who can do that. I thought his batting was so measured and calm, and, and you know he's got a huge stride, uh, so he's able to get down to the down to the bowlers from his crease rather, rather than charging. Uh, he's a very good cricketer, and yeah, I like him a lot. I wish we mm. had one. <laughs> it is 40 minutes after nine. We are talking cricket. Commentator Garth Galloway, my guest on the programme. Uh, Garth, we've seen what Brendan McCullum's done with England. They've labelled it baseball over there. Some of the purists don't like that term, but very much around Brendan and his very positive attitude, which we saw with New Zealand. We've almost seemed to have sort of gone back to the future a little bit and sort of gone back into our shell. Um, you sort of sense that what McCullum is doing, this is not just going to be an evolution, that this is going to become a revolution, the world are going to adopt this. When when are we going to wake up? When is, you know, when is Williamson and our, our coaching staff actually going to start realising that the McCullum way is the right way? Well, you know, we can't, I don't think you can criticise New Zealand for their test record. It's been exceptional and they won the World Test Championship. So, you know, hats off over the last seven or eight years. It's been brilliant. The question for me, though, and this is something that I've yeah, raised yeah, but the, before. But my, my point, Garth, is that McCullum's changing the game, and we've got to move. With, and, and, and we've got to and, move with the no, evolution, no, I, don't we? I agree. 
And so the question for me is, and, and this is what I raised with you a couple of nights ago, you know, what is the succession plan? Who are the players coming through? I, I don't see them. This is where I worry. Um, so, you know, it, it, I don't see the players who can go out there and hit, score at four or five runs and over in test cricket for New Zealand. Um, that's the thing that causes me concern. Now, who knows? The, the South Africa, of course, take on uh, England in the third test tomorrow night. England bears, though, a golfing injury, so he's going to miss that test. It'll be an interesting match, and I think he's bringing in Brooke, aren't they? So, um, you know, I don't like the phrase baseball. I don't think he'd like it. Um, but the, I think all he's trying to do with England is to create confidence and to take the pressure off. And if you can do that, then that, uh, that does free the mind a little bit and scoring runs seemingly becomes easier. But again, we saw England struggling a little bit when the ball moved around against a very good attack like South Africa. So it's not going to work every time. And New Zealand are just going to have to find a time to... I mean, the, the greater issue for me, Mark, is you know, how are we going to get sides like England, South Africa, India, Australia over here regularly and stop the constant feast of Bangladesh, Sri Lanka and Pakistan? Daryl Mitchell, has he secured himself in both formats of the game off the back of what he did in the recent three-test series in England? Yes, undoubtedly. I thought his, his performance in England was exceptional. Uh, you know, I think going into um, the series, you'd probably say he's a better one-day, you know, 50-over player. Um, he, he's able to do it all. And interestingly, he's he's not bowling now, really, uh, or, or very occasionally. Um, didn't bowl the other night. And, you know, he, he's now in for his mm. batting, and he deserves it. I think he's a fabulous player. OK, Michael Braceful. What should we make of Michael Braceful? I'm not convinced, but... He's in this lineup, no, and you've got right. and you've got to give him time, I guess. Or do you have to give him time? And again, if it's not Michael Braceful, who comes into the side? Well, that's the difficulty. So you've got over there, um, you know, you've got uh, Finn Allen is over there, but bats at the top of the order. You have Phillips. Braceful gives you uh, Phillips is another batsman, obviously. You've got Braceful there, who gives you the option of uh, you know an all rounder. Uh, you know he's batting. When you, when you look at the Australian uh, lineup and compare him compared to ours, you know Bracewell is batting at seven. Uh, I I'm not convinced by him either, and I know he's had some success early on, but against pretty ordinary sides. And so, uh, you know, for me, is he a top class spin bowler? I didn't think he bowled too badly last night in fairness. It's just that he was on at the wrong time, and I thought Santner actually bowled well as well. I don't think they were at fault. Um, but but look, Bracewell, I think he's worth his place, but the jury's out for me. Yeah, 31 years of age, though, and just going on what you're saying, when we sort of look at the future of the game and we look at our depth and we look at our succession plan, is should we not be looking to try and bring through younger talent? Well, of course we should, but New Zealand don't do that. And so, you know, we've seen series against the Bangladesh, uh, some of the weaker sides when they come over here. New Zealand are very reluctant to blood young players. They tend to go with uh, the, the established and older players. And, you know, we, uh, in my opinion, we lack courage in a selectorial mm. sense mm. around exposing young players. And sooner or later, um, we're going to have to do it. And, 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 and it's probably too late now in a way. We've had the opportunity to do it and we've missed it. And again, as I've said to you many times, we have to learn to use spin bowlers mm. properly. We, we don't. Do we need to turn our selectors over? Do guys like Gavin Larson need to just move on? No, nothing against Gavin, nothing, in, you know, he hasn't done a bad job, but just in terms of maybe uh, just looking at things slightly differently, just having a fresh voice, a fresh set of eyes. 
I don't. Again, I don't think Gavin's done anything wrong as well. You know, I think he's a he's a he's a good person. He's had a Agreed. you know he had Agreed. a wonderful first class career and a good a good test career for New Zealand. He, he's a player who got everything out of his ability. Um, is it time for him to change? Well, you know, a change is always good. I think you look at CEOs in a business, any mm. business, and you think seven or eight years mm. or five to six. So, you know, he's been there for quite a long time. Sometimes refreshing it is a good thing. Again, nothing against Gavin, but but fresh ideas can be good. We are going to have to do a lot over the next couple of years, Mark. We're going to lose players. We have the lure of all of these 2020 competitions. And it's going to be much easier for players to fragment and split off if this team is not Mm. doing well. And bear in mind, 3-0 in England against England, well beaten over there in the Test Series. And and if we continue to play like that, we will lose players. It'll be much harder to keep them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hasn't, hasn't. When you look back, we I mean, we've salvaged a draw in India, but that was more through India. Uh, maybe being a little arrogant, we were hammered over there. We lost a Test match to um, Bangladesh. Oh. We lost to a series to, uh, against a young South African side. Yeah, the last six yeah. months have sort of been in complete contrast to really the last six years, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And and those are the warning signs that I've been talking about for a while and I'm not seeing the response to them. So, um, you know, and, and again, it's, for me, it's about refreshing, always keeping ahead of the game and trying to and yeah. not doing the yeah. same thing every day. So if, if you, So the greatest example for me of that is that Ross Taylor, whose career has been magnificent and make no mistake about that, I think our best ever one-day player and a very fine test cricketer. But in his last two years of test cricket average, I think around mm. 25, 26. Yeah. Captain, you know, we, yeah. We've got to be tougher. Guptill now, really struggling. What are they going to do with him? Yeah. Well, talking of toughness, this will bring a smile to your face. This is unbelievable. New Zealand rugby could learn a thing or two from here. But Chelsea have just sacked their manager, Thomas Tuchel. Believe it or not, for that loss this morning in the Champions League. Remarkable. Well, I'll be texting my two sons, who are both followers of Chelsea, and because they love him, they think he's great. Well, so, he's no longer. Yeah, well, it's a, no, he's not. He's yesterday's man. He's a t- it, it, it's tough, isn't it? And um, well, New Zealand rugby. Where do you start? Don't start me there. <laughs> well, yeah, I need an hour. No, but I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Tuchel here. He won. You know, he won the Champions League. He won the Super Cup, the Club World Cup. Um, things haven't got off. I mean, let's be honest, nobody's going to beat Manchester City. I don't think anybody's even going to touch Manchester City this season. And yet, no, they think there's somebody else out there that can do better with Chelsea. It's just, you talk about ruthlessness. I mean, you know, there's two types of managers in English Premier League football, isn't there? Those that have been sacked and those that are about to be sacked. That's it. And, but, but the thing, and yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Klopp. But it was my beloved Liverpool. But I think, you know, the thing with uh, New Zealand rugby, which is, and I'm getting off track. No, please, please stay on track. Stay on track. No, please go oh, off track. Go off track. Go for it. Well, the thing for me is this. I, I don't blame Foster. You know, I, he, he's clearly a thoroughly decent bloke as well. He's been anointed in a system which encourage, encourages nepotism. Correct. You know, basically. Uh, he's got, you know, a board and a CEO who I think are completely out of their depth and have made a complete meal of the situation. Mm-hmm. And now they're stuck with him until the World Cup, unquestionably. Um, and that's not Foster's fault. He's allowed to hang in there and say, I want the job, they've appointed me and so on. So I don't have any criticism of Foster. I just think the board and the CEO are incompetent.
Yeah, look, I agree with you, but I think if we were to lose, say, the two tests against Australia and Ian Foster wasn't to, say, resign, then I start to turn it around on Ian a little bit and start thinking, you oh, know, sure. you think you're a little bit bigger than the game here. Um, and you need to do the honourable thing. I, they'll beat Australia, so there you are. Uh, you know, I, I think they'll be all right against Australia. Mm. Again, I might be wrong. Rugby's mm. not my game, but I think they'll be mm. fine. So, so we're not we're not in that position. Um, he's, I think Foster's perfectly entitled to be where he is. Uh, you know, but the thing that I feel sorry for him is he was made to go to press conferences by himself, mm. no CEO beside him. He should have been. Um, you know, they they he he appeared to me to be left alone, and and it didn't look good. Mm. Uh, and no sport should do that to anyone. Mm. Hey, Garth, I know you think I can't sing, but what about you giving us a rendition of You'll Never Walk Alone before we let you go? No chance. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to join you, Garth, but, you know, I thought you could sort of make, make me sound good. Look, you've even got the music in the background. You sing it all, hum it. Oh, there you go. Careful, careful. Yeah, I'm careful. tempted. I'll put it on mute. All right. Hey, Garth, lovely to have oh, you on the programme, mate. Makers. Thank you. Lovely to talk. Cheers, Cheers, mate. Thank Bye. you. 24 minutes after nine. What did you turn that down for, Ben? Come on, turn it back up. Turn it back up. Oh, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Garth Galloway, 0800 150811 if you want to talk some cricket. Love to get your thoughts on this one. Kane Williamson. Not really um, innovative enough as a captain, is he? 0800 150811 is the number. We'll keep this just going for a little bit. People texting in regarding the news of Thomas Tuchel. We will talk that after 10 o'clock with Andy Buckley out of the UK. What I love about working with Ben is we always get a nice, eclectic mix of different music. Just freshens up. It's not just that sort of stereotype. Let's just put classic hard rock on. Who are we listening to? Little River Band. Brilliant. Got a really good music taste. I wish my fiance agreed. Yeah, no. Okay, I'm not even. I'm not even going to go there. I was going to say something, but I'm not even going to go there, Ben. Okay, oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one is the number if you want to have your say on the cricket. Disappointing, isn't it? There was a sense of the Warriors in that Black Caps performance. It's sort of what I expected from the Black Caps sort of ten years ago. You know that whole sort of thing: potential, potential, potential retirement. Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Kane Williamson, um, innovative enough as a captain? Probably not, but who do you put in as captain? That's always the question you do have to ask yourself. The other big news, and we'll talk on this with BBC commentator Andy Buckley after 10, Thomas Tuchel, the Chelsea coach, won the Champions League with them. They're in the top four. They're one of the big clubs. They haven't been too bad so far this season. I will run through those results for you shortly. Gone, gone. This guy is a superstar as a coach. He'll have no problem being picked up by any other European club side. In fact, they'll be lining up for him. He is that good, but they are ruthless. Should New Zealand rugby not be taking a leaf out of their book? 0800 150 You can text us here on double eight double three. Graham, good evening. Oh, good day, Mark. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, I always enjoy you. Uh... Uh, conversations with Mark Garth Galloway, yeah, with cricket particularly. Oh, look, yeah, Ga- Ga- Garth's excellent. Garth should be a part of, uh, my opinion, Garth should be a part of um, Sparks cricket coverage. You need that. Oh, you need that um, astute, sort of um, distinguished gentleman as part of your commentary team. You can only have so many sort of Mark Richardson types, and I think Garth Galloway is underutilised in this country as a cricket commentator. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know. I used to hear him on the, you know, dare I mention it, Radio Sport. And I mm. always, you know, 10 years ago when I first heard him, I thought, God, he's great. You know, mm. I almost 90% of the time I agreed with him. But, you know, what, but it wasn't just that. He, you know, he's pretty fearless in what he had to say. And and I think, yeah, and I think, I think that's what I like about him. He respects the game enough, but he's not a sycophant. Oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no shape or form. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, the cricket and a bit of rugby. Yeah, I mean the cricket. Yeah, I, I think 2020. I, I mean, my personal opinion of cricket now is that 2020 is just too. It's just overblown. Takes you know, um, one day cricket. You know, the days of the people talk about the Chapel Hadley series. Well, I mean, I go back to when the you know Richard Hadley and then were playing, and you know you're not going to go back to that. Um, you know the, the you know wearing the beige uniforms and that 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 was gladiatorial matches yeah, you know, I, I, between I, great sides. Yeah, Graham, um, there, the, Graham, that, Graham. There was just such animosity, but the players, the sellout crowds. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, you know, you beat Australia in a series, and it generally carried weight because they used to have that World Series of cricket with one other country. You had the Great West Indian sides with that T Twenty stuff, mate. It's got absolutely zero meaning. There's no what I call there's no jeopardy in it. it it's no. just and. and you know, and because of it, one day cricket has become, it's past its use by date. And then here in New Zealand, we get such crap international sides. And you sort of, 10 years from now, you wonder how the cricket landscape's going to look in this country and what the right mix and balance looks like. Yeah, and they had terrible names like Benson and Hedges and Rothmans, you know. I know that's long gone, you know. So, yeah, But, you know, I mean, they were, great, they were great days. You know, people can go on about what's good for people and, you know, everyone wants to be a, you know... Um, you know, holier than thou nowadays, and tell people how to live, but because of sponsorship. But they were great days, and people packed out and um, had the Benson Hedges in Australia, and this are the Rothmans here in New Zealand. Um, you know, and, and the Eden Park and all the rest of them were. You know, they were just fancy. You know, yeah, they were all like all black games were Bledisloe Cup Test matches here in New Zealand in the same period of time, or Ram, dare I mention it, Ramfilly Shield. But I just uh, want to pick up a little bit, just uh, I already caught a bit of what he said about Ian Foster, but yeah, I'm not too sure if I agree about you know Ian Foster being entitled, well he's entitled because he's being picked as the all-black coach, but you know, I, I do wonder, you know, I think I think with the Mark Robinson situation, um, I have a feeling he possibly wanted to get rid of Foster, but you know, he didn't. He hasn't handled it well. But I'll diplomatically put it and say I just don't know how many ref, how much wraparound support do you put around a guy? How many coaches do you bring in to try and make him into a you know? Oh, you a can't. You, you, you can't turn a donkey into a thoroughbred, and that might be a bit harsh. But you you just can't, mate. You can't turn a. Uh, a, a sow's ear into a silk purse. Let's use that one, Graham. And you know, if yeah. we do see success from the All Blacks going forward, if they can build on, the, I, I'm just annoyed that suddenly, you know, we beat Argent, Argentina's now the benchmark for the mighty All Blacks, and we've forgotten oh. pretty quickly off the back of the loss to South Africa. And our media here, I think, are a, a week, and I think our media here are a bit soft. But you know, if suddenly we would have won the two. Australia twice, we go over to the, we beat Japan, we then go and beat Wales, Scotland and England, which I can't see happening. But if we did do it, it's it's not Ian Foster. It's clearly the influence then, isn't it, of Ryan and of um, Schmidt. Joe Schmidt. And which, yeah, which again just reinforces how inept he is. Um, yeah, but I mean, look at, look at what they've, Thomas Tuchel, I mean, hell of a manager for... For you know, for um, 
Chelsea and gone. Oh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, and I, a friend, kind of, yeah, I heard about that. I mean, that's just, yeah, it's almost the opposite extreme, isn't it? You know, it's the, and rugby, it's the, the opposite extreme in the other way, yeah. But um, with the All Blacks, it's, well, we've, we've discussed this many times over a long time, you and I, and on here, um, you know, and it's just, it is ridiculous. But, yeah, you know, I'd, <laughs> they're going to say now that, you know, all is well. I mean, Australia, I think, are lying and waiting, you know, we'll wait and see what happens next Thursday night. <clears throat> they may well, you know, Australia's been up and down too, but they don't have the depths of talent New Zealand has. And um, But uh, Dave Rennie is certainly a sharp coach, and we know that from what he did here. So we'll wait and see what happens Well, there. we'll see, Graham. We haven't seen this team be able to get up week in, week out, have we? Hey, no, Graham, no, Graham, exactly. Graham, lovely to have you on the programme. I've just got to take some commercial breaks. I've no, got, you're a good man. Yep. Otherwise, I'm going to have 20 minutes of ads in the last 20 minutes of the show. No yeah, one wants no, to listen to that. Okay. And saying that, I do encourage people to go with the advertisers that advertise on the station if they are part of the marketing, of part of your purchasing decision going forward. It is 23 and a half minutes away from 10. 0800 is the number. We are taking your calls. I want to Comment too, just interest with just with Graham talking about how back in the day the one day cricket was sponsored by Rothmans and how all that's gone. Yet we still allow alcohol sponsorship. I just want to comment on that off the back of the next break. It is 19 minutes away from 10. Big news coming out of the UK that Thomas Tuchel, the manager of Chelsea, who won them the Champions League what two years ago, kept them inside the top four against the might of Liverpool, against the might of. Manchester City has been sacked. Wow. What are we hearing there, Ben? What's the sort of discussion? Um, I've already had people tweeting that um, they're about to, um, that Boris Johnson's about to be appointed. <laughs> oh, boy. Former British Prime Minister here. God, there's some characters out there. People move quickly on this stuff, don't they? Um, but what, what are you sort of hearing? Who are some of the names that could end up stepping up and taking over Chelsea. Yeah, so of course the British bookmakers, whenever a manager gets sacked, they like to straight away put odds up on who the next manager will be and names like Mauricio Pochettino. Uh, of course, the former Spurs PSG manager is one of the front runners along with Graham Potter, of course, who was the current Brighton manager. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, of course, at Leicester City. Uh, they've got off to a pretty rough start this year and I, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the flick. Well, so. I wouldn't be surprised if Tuchel ends up going to somewhere like a Leicester City on a short-term thing. Thomas Tuchel get picked up by so many clubs. I mean, he's a, you can see the Spanish clubs jumping on him in a heartbeat, mate. Oh, exactly. And, uh, you know, that, I'm sure if that uh, spot did become available, that would be an option. But uh, Zidane Zidane is one which is quite a bit of a surprise. Uh, and also Diego Simeone, of course, in charge of Atletico uh, Madrid is yeah. another name that has been thrown up in the mix there. Yeah. Mm, fascinating, fascinating. Anyway, we'll have that discussion after 10. Andy Buckley out of the UK will join us on that. Um, interesting point that Graham was just talking about, the one-day cricket back in the day where you had the Rothman series and you had the sort of the tobacco sponsorship, which has all sort of been canned now. Um, and as, you know, basically government telling you what you can do and can't do. Uh, it's a little bit of prohibition almost to a degree. It's funny though, isn't it, we've still allowed alcohol sponsorship. Well, I got some friends who are in the police and they'll still say that the biggest issue is alcohol. Second biggest one these days is pee or methamphetamine. But alcohol is still the biggest issue that they have to deal with. Yet we still see Steinlager on the All Blacks. We still see booze sponsorship all over the Warriors. And that is apparently okay. Ironically, true story, they said the best ones to go to when you've got to arrest anybody is go to a stoner's party where everyone's smoking dope 
they said the guys will just sit there. There's never a fight. There's never a punch up. Everyone's just mellow on the couch. They'll even put the handcuffs on for you. Never any issues when you go to a stoner's party, according to the police. My point is, and I know we had a referendum recently in and around legalisation of marijuana and stuff, but if you do look at it, you go, well, alcohol causes a lot of uh, abuse and causes terrible things in the community. We know the absolute devastation that methamphetamine does. Alcohol's still legal, yet no one's ever really got hurt at a marijuana party, have they? I say that with a smile on my face, of course. I'm not even sure which way I voted on that referendum, to be honest. Always an interesting debate. See, see it's um, legalised completely across Canada, most of the states now. Decriminalised, at least. Um, anyway, just food for thought. I just find it a little hypocritical that we still allow alcohol sponsorship, yet we can tobacco sponsorship when you look at actually, which is more detrimental to society, you'd have to say probably alcohol if you certainly talk to the police. Uh, right. 0800 is the number. You can text us here on 8833. Someone else saying uh, Joachim, Joachim Lowe. Was he the German manager, wasn't he? Um, possibly could end up taking the job. Not a bad option. Not a bad option. I think we'll find out fairly quickly. They're not just going to go and sack Thomas Tuchel, Tuchel, I should say, in the first, you know, a month into the season and not have a backup plan. This is not an interim manager and we're going to go and interview a whole lot of people. They must have somebody ready to go. If you want to have your say, 0800 And also, Carlos, I know you texted earlier and almost led us to this particular story. Thank you for your text. Do appreciate you taking the time. As I said, we will talk um, football after 10 o'clock and the lines will be open as well. But look, if you do just want to have your say um, on that cricket from last night, uh, again, I've just sort of brought up the whole sponsorship of alcohol. I find, you know, it's. I find it interesting. There was a newspaper article, I think it was yesterday, talking about that the most money that is spent at lotto shops tend to be in low decile areas where people are at risk the most in terms of gambling and living expenses, etc. And whether or not those types of outlets should be in those communities. Bottle stores is another one. But I always look at the Warriors and I go, I think it was, was it Bourbon Whiskey and Coke or something they always had on their, on their sleeve? They used to have Wendy's. I'm not sure if Wendy's is still a sponsor of the Warriors. Then they used to have Casino on the front. And you're just thinking to yourself, really, are you a family club? Or are you just a platform to push your product in an area and geographic location of society which is pretty fragile at the best of the time and you'd have to argue probably ethically not that responsible. 13 minutes away from 10, 0800 It is nine minutes away from 10 o'clock. After 10 o'clock we will talk football. We'll have Andy Buckley out of the UK. We'll talk about Thomas Tuchel being sacked from Chelsea and also look at the success of Man City in Erlene Haaland. Right, let's go to the phones. Hi, Eugene. Yeah, how you going, Watto? Uh, look, uh, it's happened four times this century uh, and every time it's done. Uh, on the first uh, two occasions, it was the 2002 uh, BB series 
and then it was the 2003 Cricket World Cup. It was Michael Bevan uh, playing the decisive role. Uh, on the third occasion, it was the 2019 World Cup, Alex Carey. Yes. And um, Yuzman uh, Kawaja. And then on, on the fourth occasion, uh, yesterday, once again, it was um, um, Carey alongside Green, Cameron Green. So, yeah, it's uh, just dropped out there, Eugene. Have we got you there, mate? Oh. Yeah, sorry, that's better. Yeah. Yep. Tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, oh, look, it is. I mean, it's the fickle nature of cricket at times. Yeah, for sure. Uh, look, I think it's important they win, get back on the winning ways tomorrow. Uh, and uh, look, I'll be backing them. Well, I didn't back them yesterday, but I'll back them tomorrow now. <laughs> well, I think, but I think, you know, we, we get opportunities against Australia and we just don't seem to take them. They are the benchmark of international cricket. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, everyone wants to beat Australia, more so than India, more so than England. And we want to play them more regularly. Well, we're not going to play them more regularly if every time we're given a chance, they beat us and beat us comfortably. And that seems to be the status quo. That seems to be very much the default setting. We seem to have success to a lot of other countries, but not Australia. We've got to start beating these guys, and we've got to start beating them in Australia so that we become a lot more enviable for them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just quickly on the uh, the rugby league tomorrow night, uh, oh, sorry, on Friday night, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure. Look, I think if Parramatta don't win on Friday night, uh, they can kiss the NRL chances goodbye because uh, just because of the season they've had. But look, if they do, what? Uh, did you know Clint Gutherson? Um, he um, played his first game for uh, Manly uh, against Penrith on debut. And um, it's also his birthday on Friday. Um, King Guppo is mm. 28. Did you know that? No, he's been around a long time, and, though, isn't it? I, I'm pleased you brought that name up because I'll be honest, um, I haven't watched a lot of NRL in recent weeks, and in fact, probably over the last month. And it's, um, yeah, it's certainly um, it's an enticing, mouthwatering Friday. I, I'm not a big, I'm not a big Panthers fan. I'm not a big Cleary fan, to be honest. I, I mean, Ivan Cleary, I like. I'm um, not a big. Um, not a big fan. Uh, Storm Raiders, like, yeah, God, I, I hope the Storm beat the Raiders. Not a big fan of Ricky Stewart. I'd like to see the Sharks beat the Cowboys. Sharks are um, just one of those great traditional sides. And the Rabbitohs, I'd like to probably see tip up the Roosters. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Now, look, I, I think the Sharks and Parramatta um, have been just chipping away. No, no one's really spoke about the Sharks. Here's a stat for you. Parramatta hate playing the Rabbitohs. Mm. And the Rabbitohs own them. Um, I just think maybe too many injuries might cost uh, the Rabbitohs and the uh, uh, Roosters and probably open the door for the Sharks. And look, Parramatta, if you look at Parramatta, Clint Gutherson, I'll give you a tip. It's not only his birthday on Friday night, he has scored a try in four of Parramatta's last five matches yeah. Hey, look, lovely to have you on the uh, f- um, program, Eugene, and um, we'll have coverage of those games here on um, SENZ. Uh, look, um, just, yeah, look, what we'll find out this weekend in the NRL, whether it is the Panthers, whether it is the Sharks or the Storm or those clubs that have had the form, there'll be a club there that's going to get on this role that no one's expecting, that's going to get that momentum, that's going to go on and win this thing or certainly get through the grand final. I hope it's the Eels. Coming up to 
four minutes away from 10 o'clock after 10 o'clock, we'll talk some football with Andy Buckley out of the UK. Ben, 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 Ben. That's a pretty nasty song to be playing. We've got a lot of Chelsea fans listening to this. I think it's warranted. You do? I do. How ruthless is the EPL? Two types of managers, those that have been sacked, those that are about to be sacked. Big, big news that Thomas Tuchel, the manager for Chelsea, has been sacked. This is a man who won them the Champions League, the Super Cup, the World Club Championship. Kept them in Europe against the might of Liverpool and the might of Manchester City. But his recent performances, including the Champions League, lost this morning to Dynamo Zagreb. Not good enough in the eyes of the new owners. To talk about this, to talk all things English Premier League and the Champions League, BBC football commentator Andy Buckley joins us on the programme. Andy, good evening, welcome. Good evening. Long time no talk. Are you well? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. And just uh, absorbing the news about Thomas Tuchel. Uh, football's very fickle. They've just spent £270 million, Chelsea, and now a new manager's going to come in mm. and uh, take over a squad that, uh, well, an embarrassment of riches at Chelsea, but it's obviously not worked out. And I think there's been a big fallout between owner and manager. Mm. Were many people picking this? Was this sort of, had there been murmurs uh, in the days leading up to this loss this morning? Not really. No, not at all. Uh, the Chelsea have lost the way at the start of the season, some embarrassing results. Uh, but I think from uh, picking up the vibes uh, in England this morning, uh, there was friction between uh, Todd Bowley, the, the American owner, and Tuchel. Uh, a new regime, obviously, Abramovich went, and uh, Tuchel was his man, but uh, the, the, the pair uh, fell out, and I think it had reflected on the, the pitch, and when it, when it translates into the results, then uh, inevitably there's only one outcome. Uh, so already they're talking about possible replacements. Graham Potter from Brighton. Manchester United wouldn't touch him because uh, he hadn't got the necessary Champions League experience. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But uh, uh, And Zinedine Zidane, uh, Pochettino, the ex-Spurs uh, manager as well, has been touted. So I would have thought that from those three, the next Chelsea manager would probably come from that, that, that trio of names. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big thing sacking a manager and not necessarily having a replacement automatically lined up. I mean, we know how tough this league is. We know how tough the Champions League is. Small, small percentages. Manchester City is setting such a high standard. Um, how much of a risk not having an automatic replacement? Well, uh, it's a big job, Chelsea. Um, spent heavily. Uh, you know, £47 million on Raheem Sterling, Cooley Barley from Napoli, £34 million. Uh, Cucurella, Brighton, £63 million, an eye-watering figure. So, Bowley, the owner, is splashing money around. Fafana from Leicester, £75 million. He's splashing the cash, um, and he's going to tempt uh, somebody to one of the biggest jobs in, in world football. Um, Chelsea with a, a, a big reputation, big expectations as well. But uh, the EPL, which is what the magic is all about, is so competitive. And uh, even Liverpool have find, found out in the last mm. few weeks that it's not quite um, as, uh, you know, brings the success that you'd expect because the mm. teams are not so much raising the game. It's just so hard to, mm. to, to churn out the, the, the wins that you need to become champions. Yeah, but turning your managers over, 
um, because you're wanting automatic success. That That's not a blueprint for success. Surely, and we've seen it with the likes of Jurgen Klopp, Guardiola, it, it's, it, it's, it's a long-term... Uh, Arsenal seem to be doing a good job of it. Surely it's got to be a, sort of a long-term strategy with your managers. Well, you're right, uh, but uh, you're applying common sense and logic to that uh, reason reasoning, and, and that doesn't apply as far as football is concerned. Certainly as far as Chelsea are concerned. If you look at the list of Chelsea managers in the last 15 years, uh, Mourinho's been there twice, Ancelotti. There's a long, long list of, of people who've, who've spent a year there and we've won silverware, serious silverware, and yet have, um, have been dumped um, with big payoffs. Uh, obviously, the money won't matter to Tuchel because he'll get well looked after, but uh, it, it's just obviously it's a clash of personalities and, and a strategy. And, and Chelsea was saying this morning that it's time for a reset strategically, and they didn't feel that Tuchel was, was the man. And obviously, there's been, when they went to America on their tour, uh, there was uh, talk of. Um, Ronaldo going to Chelsea, that didn't materialise. Tuchel was adamant he did not want Ronaldo. He didn't fit into uh, what he wanted. Sterling was his marquee signing. Now, uh, you know about my allegiance to Manchester City. A lot of City fans were glad to see the back of Sterling because he he played in that Champions League final two seasons ago and did not deserve his place. And Mm. that was one big mess up by Guardiola to pick Sterling when Rodri couldn't get even in the team. Uh, and, and Sterling, although he's gone to Chelsea, he's had a decent start. You know, you see Haaland banging in all the goals for City, 12 already this season. And a lot of City fans are saying, well, if that had been Sterling, he'd have tripped over his own feet mm. as he's racing in on goal. He missed so many. But, but Tuchel said, just going back to Tuchel and Chelsea, he said, Sterling is my marquee signing. I don't want Ronaldo, who's, who's getting to be pensioner stage now. Let's face it, he's, he's knocking on a bit. Um, so... Uh, uh, and then Cucurella for sixty-three million. They didn't need to pay that. They just upped the ante, and 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 Bowley at Chelsea is quite prepared to pay it. But it, it, it'll, you know, they, they, they could it could come back to haunt them. I went to a lunch actually at uh, I live not far from Old Trafford cricket ground and football ground, which obviously is side by side. Went to a, a lunch on um, Monday, uh, a legends lunch. Uh, Lancashire are playing Yorkshire at the moment in the county championship. I know you like your cricket, Mark and. Uh, the guest speakers were Gary Neville and Geoffrey Boycott. Wow. Famous names wow. from wow. cricket and wow. uh, football. But Gary Neville was saying, he said that it'll come back to haunt Manchester United. Just talking about the finances. It'll come back to haunt Manchester United. The fact that they're paying £385,000 a week to Casimiro, who's the wrong side of 30. They paid £85 million for mm. Anthony from Ajax. When really the going rate was much less than that, but United got desperate. And such is the nature. I mean, in England, they've spent more money in the transfer window, is it two billion or something, than Spain, Italy and Germany and France combined. That is a staggering statistic, Mm. but it just shows how they're all chasing that, the holy grail of of the Premier League title. Mm. Can anybody beat Manchester City? I, I sort of sit back here and you know I'm a Liverpool fan through and through and clearly we've dropped a lot of points already, but even though I think if we'd won them, I think with Haaland, the way he's come into the city side, the way he's settled, the way Guardiola has this team playing, I just always sense that, hey, everybody's playing for second anyway. Is that sort of the sense now in the Premier League and it's going to be one hell of a battle for second, third and fourth in those other Champions League spots? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Um, Interesting to watch Manchester United and Arsenal 
on Sunday and see how Arsenal measure up. Um, I don't for one minute think Arsenal will become champions. You might want to play that uh, comment back in a few months' time and prove me wrong, but I don't think they'll become champions. I don't see it, though, as it's a procession behind City, and I don't think the City fans see it that way because they dropped points at Villa uh, last weekend. They played Spurs on Saturday. Spurs uh, beat City twice last season and could easily beat City again. Uh, so, from the pack, from not from United, possibly from Arsenal, more likely from Spurs, definitely not Chelsea. Uh, Liverpool, certainly. They've not found the rhythm yet, but I think they will do. I think Thiago coming back will help them. Um, you know, City are, are, it's not a foregone conclusion that Manchester mm. City will win the title. Mm. I don't think the defensive stability... Uh, is quite as, uh, as as good as it should be. They give the teams chances. They have full-backs who play in midfield, basically, just to mm. join the attack. Um, Foden's been a little bit off the boil. He did all right mm. last night, but he's been off the boil. Um, so, no, I don't think it is a one-horse race by any means. Mm. If you shut Haaland down, and easier said than done, do you shut Manchester City down? Um well, you didn't do last season, really, because they didn't play with crosses into the box. Uh, the first goal last night came from a, uh, a, cl- a cross into the box and, and Haaland was on the end of it from De Bruyne, inevitably. Uh, yeah, I, I still think they've got... I think Alvarez is a great signing. Uh, I think uh, underrated. He's flown under the radar, uh, Julian Alvarez, from River Plate. Um, he'll do well. Aguero-type player. Um, a fast darts around so I think there's a lot more to come from him mm. um, so and I think Haaland's got to be managed the fact he's not in the World Cup is a help to City because he's got six weeks holiday in November because um, Norway aren't there uh, that will help but I just think Haaland needs to be managed people are talking how many goals is he going to score he's got 12 mm. already 12 first week in September uh, they're saying, oh, is he going to get 40? Is he going to get 50? I don't think it's going to be quite as straightforward mm. as that. Mm. Um, but uh, City fans are enjoying the ride, let me put it that way. Yeah, what is it about him? I mean, what type of footballer is he? I mean, is it just because he's just such a, got such a big sort of physical presence about him? Is he, is he, he has, is, yeah. Is he going to change the game? Is he going to change the way um, centre forwards going forward are going to look and play? Well, I just think because of his such a physical specimen, he is a machine. He's a monster. That, it, but to have those attributes, I mean, Peter Crouch uh, was one of the tallest players there's been in the Premier League era, but he didn't have the pace. And, and the thing is that a lot of players haven't got. Ibrahim uh, 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 Himovic was was a fast player uh, and had that kind of strength, the aerial uh, uh, height, but. Harland has got pace. He's got genuine searing pace that I saw at West Ham on the opening weekend of the season that can destroy a defence. So with that height, that pace, um, he's, he's an animal, really. He's, he's very hard to mark, uh, and he just he, do, he finds pockets of space inside the penalty. I think is it something like ten out of his twelve goals have come from within the six-yard mm. box. Uh, so he, he's he's just uh, he, you know he's already prolific. Um, and, and it is, it's a new dimension to the way City play because even with Aguero, Aguero never had that electrifying pace, and he never—he was fast at his peak, I suppose, but he certainly didn't have the height. So it's a different way of playing, but uh, it is fascinating to watch. It's, it really is. It's intriguing. I suppose that's the magic, really, of, of, of football in England at the moment. What's it meant for Phil Foden and the way he's playing? 
Uh, well, Foden, I thought Foden, he's getting a bit of stick really on the fans' forums at the moment because uh, of his uh, just inability to influence games and they're wondering whether you know, it's going to be key to England's World Cup hopes. Uh, but he's just quietened down a bit. He's just Now, maybe last night was a sort of a trigger, another turning point, and he, he's going to come good again. He just, he's, and even Guardiola after the game last night admitted that he has been, he's not been playing that well. Uh, he's not uh, had the influence that he he, he did have last season, uh, but he's not needed to. De Bruyne is firing on all cylinders already, um, so uh, you know exciting times. Um, interestingly, I know your allegiance to Liverpool. I went I went to watch a game on. Uh, have you got a second, uh, Mark? Well, I went to watch a game in the FA Cup on Saturday. Uh, it was um, West Didsbury and Charlton versus Macclesfield. And, and the reason I'm telling you is Macclesfield had a goalkeeper who's fourth choice at Liverpool. Uh, and there's a money aspect to this. He's fourth choice. He's a, a Brazilian that Liverpool paid a million pounds for from Fluminense. And he earns £6,000 a week. And he's playing for Macclesfield in the eighth tier of English football. Robbie Savage, the former uh, player who took over Macclesfield, he went bust uh, playing Cheshire, south of Manchester. Uh, they went bust, reformed. Robbie Savage uh, and a businessman uh, took it over, uh, reinvented the club, and they're, they're sort of making their way back up the, the pyramid of football. Uh, anyway, they've got this guy on loan, and I was amazed by him. He's 19, this lad. Liverpool paid a million pounds for him. Uh, he's fourth choice at Liverpool. He trains with Liverpool on a daily basis, but he plays for Macclesfield in the seventh year. And it, it just staggered me that a player is earning... Six thousand pounds a week on Liverpool is playing his wedges, not mm. Macclesfield. But that's the nature of how it all filters down, and mm. how it is mm. for any aspiring footballer. England is the place to be, really. You talked about Sterling and no love lost from Manchester City fans. Where does Jack Grealish sit inside of Manchester City? Um, good question, Jack Grealish. Yeah, he's liked. He's, I think he, he endeared himself. To the fans, it can be sort of seminal moments that can just suddenly um, endear itself to the supporters. And for him, it was a, to sort of the celebrations after they'd won the league in May, and uh, he was there. Uh, he'd had one too many, shall we say, on the the uh, p- the parade that they had through the city centre, and he was taking the Mickey out of um, uh, Almeris, the Almiron, rather the uh, Newcastle player, which. Uh, came back to haunt him because you remember Almiron scored a good goal for Newcastle against City the other week and people reminded Grealish of that and he, he was a bit naughty with the way that he just said, oh, he was criticising one of his players, I think it was either Bernardo Silva or Mares, and said, oh, you played like Almiron. In other words, it, mm. it, was, a, it was a jive at Almiron saying, you're not playing very well, you played like Almiron. Uh, uh, but his performance has improved uh, last season. He's been out injured this season, so he's hardly played. Uh, 100 million, you think, well, you, you should get a decent return for that. But there's other transfers that are kind of catching up with him, really. You know, Manchester United paying £85 million pounds mm. last week for a guy from Ajax. So uh, I, I think the second season syndrome, I think, for Grealish. In other words, not much last season, hopefully far mm. more this season. 16 minutes after 10, you're listening to SENZ. Um, we are talking football here on the program. Um, Andy Buckley is my guest. Andy, uh, look, what, what's it like being a Manchester City 
fan living in Manchester and how things have just swung around from Manchester City so long, just been in the shadow of the great Manchester United, now arguably the team that's setting the benchmark, setting the standard for the entire world. However, do need to win the Champions League. But what's it like living in City, being a, in Manchester, being a Manchester City fan? Uh, fabulous. Unbelievable, really. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, the City fans sing this song, we're not really here, we're not, we're not really here. Uh, like the fan of the invisible man, we're yeah. not really here. That is one of the songs that the City fans have sung for, for decades, really, because they can't believe where they are. They used to sing it when they were in the old second division, the third tier, when they mm. were the laughing stock of English football. Let's face it, it was a joke. Uh, the theatre of comedy it was known as. The theatre of dreams was across the road at Old Trafford. Manchester City were referred to as the theatre of comedy. It was that bad. Uh, and I was lucky enough to commentate on City in those days, the bleak days in the 90s, when they lost 2-1 at York City on Boxing Day. We were mid-table in the second division. So to suddenly go, not suddenly, but to gradually go to where City are now after this unprecedented decade of glory uh, and to see Manchester United's demise... Mm. I can, oh, I, I just, just let me say, it is. You just have to pinch yourself. Mm. You do have to pinch yourself. Uh, those those epic uh, six minutes against Villa at the end of last season, when they came from two nil down, or was there a couple of weeks ago against Crystal Palace, two nil down at half time. You confident that they would get it mm. back? They did get it back. Mm. And and you know, and it, uh, Manchester United were were basically dancing on City's grave when City was struggling, uh, and. David Gill and Alex Ferguson. David Gill was the chairman, uh, the chief exec, and Fergie, the manager. They they approved that banner at the Stretford End that ticked over every year, 33, 34 years. Mm. Just, so Manchester United signed off on that to rub in Manchester City's noses in the dirt mm. about how bad City were. Mm. And uh, City fans will never, ever forgive United for that. And to see... The, the transformation now with both clubs mm. in opposite directions is, is just, mm. well, we are living the dream, really. And it won't last forever. No, it won't last no. forever. It goes in cycles. We know that. Yeah, I want to ask you this, though. There has been criticism um, that Paris and Manchester City, that you guys are basically funded by entire countries and therefore potentially it's not a level playing field. What is Manchester City's answer to that? And is there a point here? Is this good for football? Uh, potentially no. Um, but City fans will just say, well, we don't pick the owners of our club. Um, and they don't. Uh, you support your club, whoever owns it, uh, as do Chelsea supporters. Uh, uh, but no, no, we don't, we don't pick the owners. And, and, you know, it's going to be brought sharper into focus, I suppose, with the World Cup in Qatar in a few weeks' time about uh, football and its influence in the sporting world, whether it's golf, this uh, LIV thing, you know, they've got this tournament mm. that starts at Wentworth yep. tomorrow. Uh, massive. You know, Lee Westwood gets absolutely slaughtered on Twitter. Uh, he'll put anything out to promote his LIV status and the tours he's playing on, and, 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 he, and he gets absolutely hammered because he's, he's sold his soul to uh, Saudi money, basically. Uh, so, it, 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 you know, Newcastle United, uh, the sport washing, the so-called sport washing, of Saudi from Saudi Arabia, so uh, I think the Newcastle fans would turn around and say, "Well, the rights and wrongs of it." I know there is a moral argument, and and the things that are happening in these countries uh, are quite appalling. So, so I, 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 I stand very firmly on the fact that it is dreadful what's going on. Should sport really 
which is your question, should sport um, if, uh, approve this kind of thing? No, it doesn't approve it. Should it accept money uh, from, you know, should should uh, the British government accept uh, the oligarchs' money in, in, in Mayfair and Belgravia and all these mm. sort of uh, posh places in the capital? Uh, but they have done historically. So it's a political argument as well as a sporting argument. And um, there are rights and wrongs with it. I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, but in terms of the, the kind of the, the, the everyday going to watch mm. your football team, are you supposed to not go to the Etihad because they're owned by uh, uh, Abu Dhabi? Or are you not supposed to go to the Emirates? Um, you know, the stuff that even goes on in Dubai. So there's a lot of countries who've got some very shady, shady backgrounds. Hey, Andy Buckley, it's been lovely having you on the programme. Hey, um, before you go, you don't want to join me in a rendition of You'll Never Walk Alone, do you? Uh, well, good luck to Liverpool tonight. That's <laughs> interesting, actually, about the, the Liverpool uh, thing, about, about advising the fans not to go out in Naples. Oh, well, we, we, I thought you were joking there, Mark. No, no, I was joking, but we can sing it. I, I, you can sing it, I'll hum it. Um, I know a good Manchester City. I, I know you guys are envious. It's the one thing you'll never be able to have, and that's the song. It's the song, Andy. <laughs> but um, no, I wouldn't go out. I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd go out in Naples either, to be honest. Uh, well, I went four years ago when uh, City won at um, Naples, and uh, it's a lovely city, home of the pizza mark. Yes. No, I have been. I went when I was about 10, and then I went from there to Mount Vesuvius, I think, and had a look yeah, through lovely. that area, and um, no, I always remember it. What do they call it? The Calcutta of the South or something, didn't they, about the time? I'm not sure whether that's yeah. still appropriate or not. Yeah. But they've, they've been a little bit of a thorn on Liverpool's side over the years. That's not going to be easy. No, I, I think they'll. Uh, I, I, don't know, I think Liverpool will come good tonight. I think uh, mm. they'll uh, they'll get it right. Mm. Good man, you're a good man, Andy Buckley. And if you do want to sing, you'll never walk alone. I can just turn it up, mate. I can just turn it up. Uh, I've got to go. You're breaking up, Mark. I can't hear you. I've got to go. <laughs> hey, lovely, Andy. Thank you. Twenty-two minutes after ten. Telephone numbers: oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. If you want to have your say on the football, we don't get a lot of people phoning up about football. I'd like to hear from you. Everyone seems to have a club, though, that's into sport. Or some sort of allegiance. It's much bigger than people think. I'm surprised at how many people out there are West Ham fans. It's just such a wonderful competition. Anybody can beat anybody on its day. There's always just so many narratives that are reported. You know, you talk and celebrate the football. Tonight, the big story is the sacking of one of the big-name managers. There's always a little bit of a scandal, not to the same degree as the NRL, but there's always media around some of the off-field stuff as well. My point is it's incredibly engaging and you look forward to the next game, you look forward to the next week. Here in New Zealand, we just don't have any of that, do we? Because we're so damn PC. Rugby own our media companies and we've reduced rugby in this country to just the 80 minutes in the middle of the park and it's just not enough. Feel free to sing this song if you want. Anyway, lines are open, 0800 150 811. If you do want to go back between 9 and 10 when we look back and reflect it on the cricket from last night, happy to take your call. Kane Williamson, very, very percentage-based in his captaincy, not innovative enough, is he? Probably should have won that game. Australia 44 for 5 and we somehow managed to lose it. But if it's not Kane Williamson, who is your captain? What is it about Australia? Why do we constantly seem to have this mental block when it comes to cricket? If we want to play them more regularly, we've actually got to start performing against them.
and we're not doing that. We're given opportunities and we're not doing it. And they therefore just continue to pigeon us whole as minnows, as easy beats. And yet we perform really well against other sides. Uh, you can text us here on double eight double three as well. Anything that you do want to text through, love to hear from you. 24 minutes after 10. Nothing better than a little bit of Guns and Roses to kick things off. Uh, telephone number 0800 150811. With you for another 30-odd minutes here on SENZ. On this, what day is it? I was going to mention the day. What day is it? It is Thursday, the Wednesday the 7th of September. Okay, um, yeah, so the Thomas Tuchel, Chelsea manager, has been sacked. Now, 62% winning record, I'm being told, just looking at some of the um, stuff on social media and the reaction to this news in the UK. They were beaten this morning by Dynamo Zagreb 1-0. It's been a somewhat of a disappointing start to the English Premier League season as well. Following that performance, we'll play you the press conference from Thomas Tuchel explaining his team's performance against Dynamo Zagreb and what was perhaps missing. Well, it's underperformance from us and um, we, it's a bit the same story like always. We have 4K starts. Um, we don't finish our half chances. We don't... We don't feel it when the game is uh, is already is already there to put to bed the first 15 20 minutes and uh, then we concede one counter attack which is far too easy and from there we struggle and uh, yeah and lose the next match. You looked very frustrated on the touchline. Of course. What was your main frustration about the team going forward? I saw you being particularly unhappy in the second half with what was going on down the left hand side. Mm. Too much to analyze. I'm, I'm a part of it. I'm a part of it, and uh, we are clearly not there where we need to be and where we can be. So it's on me. It's on us. We need to find uh, solutions. What are the elements of the performance that are missing right now? At the moment, everything is missing. What happened when you were booked by the referee in the second half? I asked him to push, to push, to continue. That's all what I was doing. What did you make of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's debut? A difficult situation I for him. I will not talk about individuals today. We play as a team, we lose as a team. It's, it's what it is. How do you feel about the confidence of your team right now? Because after that goal went in, they seem to shrink. If it seems like this, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to argue against it. It's hard to argue against it. It's, uh, you can, uh, can analyse it like this, of course. What do you see your role as now in terms of how you try and get a reaction out of the players? Because I'm sure you've tried to already. Sure, sure. And I need to find a solution for the next match, of course. And what did you say to them at half-time? We made some changes. We encouraged them. We uh, told them to play with more emotions, to play tougher, to, to, um, to, to step up. And, um, but uh, it's obviously hard at the moment for us. Are you worried by the start to the season? No, not really. it's not enough. It's not enough. This has nothing to do with a worry. It's a reality. And there you go. Well, he won't get a chance to remedy the wrongs because he's gone. Thomas Tuchel, sacked by Chelsea. Meanwhile, here in New Zealand, we can have an all-black coach with the worst winning record in 
history and still tell him he's got our support in a country that doesn't tolerate the All Blacks losing. Right, let's, on a more positive note for you Manchester City fans, and again, we appreciate the time um, that was given to us. I'm sorry, I'm just searching. What am I searching for? Uh, Yeah, anyway, we've got some um, audio from Pep Guardiola from Manchester City. Yeah, in terms of Rosalier, we make a not good first half in terms of we won't attack too quick. And when they were playing better, we scored the second one with a brilliant action from Phil and after it was easier. What pleased you most about the performance in the second half then? We, we, had, we gave more passes. We, sometimes we want to arrive so, so quick because Erling is there. And, uh, you have the, this attraction about him. Of him, we won't attack it sometimes. We have to make more pause. Does that sometimes cause a problem then, now having Erling Haaland there no. and always being the focus? I didn't say that. I prefer to have him, <laughs> absolutely. Well, Kevin De Bruyne was man of the match out there today. What impressed you most about his controlled performance? Was that the key to, to the game being won? Yeah, uh, you know, the first goal, his quality in this action and the, his final third, so yeah. Uh, he did a good a good game and happy for, of course, for him, for everyone. Two more goals for Erling Haaland tonight. He continues to score goals. We know it. he makes it look so simple, but it's not that easy. So how hard is he working to achieve these levels? I don't know. We, we, I think his numbers in all his career, not just here, when he was in, uh, in previous teams, is quite similar. So he's... Have an incredible sense of goal. He scored two, and in the sense they have two or three more to score. And uh, yeah, we have uh, incredible numbers in the scoring goals. So, and yeah, continue like that. So, another battle next Saturday against Tottenham, and hopefully he can continue scoring goals. And Phil Foden scoring again in the, the Champions final, yeah. League. How how much does he continue to impress you? Phil have an incredible thing. I would say that is the fact. Lily is not playing so good like normally him but always do a job and always run and always fight and always is is a stable you know for the team and I'm pretty sure today the goal and the assist he has done is going to help him Phil can play in serious position he's dynamic and his work ethic and we have to learn a lot so you can play bad because it's human being and, but never 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 can avoid to do what Phil every single game can do it and that's why he deserves to play and a clean sheet too tonight. How yeah. did you assess Akanji's debut at the back? Oh, it was really good. So he trained, I think, one day a half, two days, no more than that. But uh, we knew it. He's so strong, intelligent with the ball. And uh, I said yesterday, so Man City brought me, brought the club and a fantastic play. And we are very pleased for the performance. And uh, uh, I think it's the perfect age, 27 years old, mature, play a lot of times. Champions League games with BVB and Dortmund. So, yeah, really good. Yeah, Manchester City 4 over Sevilla. Sevilla hosting Manchester City as part of that group uh, to determine who eventually goes into that top 16 goals to De Bruyne. Uh, in fact, goals to Haaland on the 20th and 67th minute. Phil Foden at 58 and Diaz um, two minutes into extra time. Plenty of games to look forward to. Tomorrow morning, Ajax take on Rangers. Napoli take on my mob Liverpool. Spurs host Marseille. Good to see Spurs back in Champions League football. Frankfurt up against Sporting. Atletico Madrid take on FC Porto. Club Rouge take on Bayern Leverkusen. Barcelona host Victoria 
Plzen. I'm not sure. I don't know much about them, to be perfectly honest. I'll be perfectly blunt. Uh, Inter Milan take on Bayern Munich. You're listening to SENZ. Telephone numbers 0800 150811. It is 23 minutes away from 11 o'clock. 19 minutes away from 11. What's music, Ben? It is a version of a Bruce Springsteen song. I literally thought it was Bruce Springsteen, and then I had a long listen because you called me up the other day with my Led Zeppelin call and embarrassed me, but that was okay. Yeah, so it's Bruce Springsteen singing his uh, song Ghost of Tom Joad, but he's he Tom Morello, who was from Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave, he joined the E Street Band for a while. Oh, brilliant! And they they I did didn't a, know that they did a version of uh, the song where Tom came out and sung a couple of the verses, did a few awesome guitar solos, which which I think starting now. Yeah, nice, nice. If, if you go, if you go on, on YouTube later when you, when you get home, I think it was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame they did a version of the song. It's absolutely incredible if you watch it live. Mm. Just watching him work his magic on the guitar and there's actually a couple of interviews talking how nervous he actually was to do the song because he's such a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Yeah, it's hard though. Some songs, very hard to, like, Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven is just one of those songs, very hard to do a better cover version of it, though I did think um, the one they did at the JFK Awards, which was Heart, which is on YouTube, was incredible, but it's never going to be the original. But some songs I think you can make better, and I think some songs have been done better, well, I think even that, though the originals are great. Yeah, I think that's one um, example. I mean, Hallelujah, uh, done by um, Jeff Buckley, is, is now the standard when it comes to that particular song. A stunning version of it. You know, I'd, I, I, it'd be very, very hard to do someone do a better version of "You'll Never Walk Alone" than what you get with uh, Jerry and the Pacemakers. You know, but hey, love someone to have a crack. Judas Priest do a really good heavy version of "Johnny Be Good." In fact, if you want to test your speakers, get Judas Priest "Johnny Be Good." Fantastic, big bass in it. Something to look forward to on the way home. Yeah, there you go. And uh, now you've got some audio too from Nick Kyrgios. So I was sort of hoping Nick might go through to a semi final and might end up winning a Grand Slam. I like the colour that he brings to tennis. Um, I like the McEnroe. I like the Jimmy Connors element to him. I like the fact that he's temperamental. And I think the crowd do too. And the fact that he'll sell out arenas, that he's the hottest ticket in town, just demonstrates that most people aren't really into this old PC crap that we're sort of governed by these days. Yeah, so of course Nick losing in the quarterfinals today. Uh, many people in the office were hoping he was going to make it through and after the match he smashed a few rackets and he wasn't very happy in the press conference. He had his head down pretty much the entire time looking the other way but he still answered uh, a few questions. Your emotions, your feelings, what, what, how it was playing that match? Um, yeah, it just came out flat. Um, physically didn't feel great and then I ended up feeling great towards the end of the match. Um, yeah, I'm obviously devastated, but all credit to Karen. He just—he's a fighter. He's a—he's a warrior. You know, he's, he's, I thought he served really good today. Um, honestly, probably the best server I played this tournament. To be honest, the way he was hitting his spots under pressure, and he just played the big points well. Um, there wasn't really anything in it. I'm just devastated, obviously. Um, I just feel like it was either winning it all or. Nothing at all, to be honest. I feel like I've just failed at this this event right now. That's what it feels like. Anything can be done to stop the crowd shouting out during match. I don't care about that right now. I just don't care. Nick, the, um, the injury, um, how much of a hardship was that at the start? What, what kind of happened there? Yeah, just knees sore. Obviously, I've been playing a lot of tennis the last couple of months. Just came out 
you know, the court was a little bit, I just split-stepped and just tweaked it a little bit and then ended up feeling fine, got some DP on it. Yeah, everyone's probably carrying a bit of a niggle right now, so nothing major, just, yeah, I mean, it didn't, I didn't end up feeling it towards the third, fourth and fifth. I felt great physically at the end of the match, honestly, I feel fine, just mentally distraught. Eleanor. Alan Cripps Press Association. Nick, is that your season done now or might you play another tournament somewhere? Honestly, I don't even really care about any other tournament. Like, I feel like at the Grand Slams, now having success at a Grand Slam, it's just like no other tournament really matters. Like, it's like you get better, you get worse, and then at the Grand Slam, none of it matters. You either win or lose. Like, people don't really care if you got better on the day or you lost four in the fifth or... You played at one of the hell, like one of the best matches of the tournament. You lost, so that's all people remember at a Grand Slam, whether you win or you lose. And I think pretty much every other tournament during the year is a waste of time. Really, you just you front up and show up at a Grand Slam. That's what you're remembered by. So, two more tomorrow. On a similar, like now, now that you have an idea of what you're capable of in slams, do our defeats more difficult today? Sorry, what was your, sorry, I didn't hear your question, my bad. Now, now that you kind of have an idea of what you're capable of from Wimbledon, from, you know, against Medvedev, do def defeats like this hurt more? Uh, yeah, I mean, as, as I said, yeah, they do. I honestly feel, I feel like shit. I feel like I've let so many people down. Okay. I just, I don't know, I just, I feel like, yeah, I'm playing Tokyo and stuff, but I just like, I feel like, these four tournaments are the only ones that are ever going to matter. And it's just like you've got to start it all again. And I have to wait till Australian Open. It's just devastating. Like, it's heartbreaking. Not just for me, just for everyone that I know that wants me to win. Love the guy. Brilliant answers. Great press conference. He's 100% correct. You are measured by what you do at a Grand Slam level. No one remembers all the little tournaments you win. You just don't. You know, we remember Chris Lewis for being the first non-seeded player to reach a Wimbledon final. You know, you go back, you look at Boris Becker being the youngest player to ever win a Wimbledon final. It is what you remember by. Those other tournaments are about staying in form, they're about earning a living. Those other tournaments, for those lesser players, it's about building, it's about earning a living. But for the top guys in the world, you are measured by what you purely do in Grand Slams. Same in golf what you do in the majors I thought he hit the nail on the head and you're allowed to be devastated go and play Tokyo you get beaten you go and play Mexico the following week you've got another chance Grand Slams they come around once a year incredibly hard to win five sets unlike three you know you've got four rounds before you go into the quarterfinals it's not two rounds quarterfinal semifinal final like a lot of other tournaments like you get here in Auckland and when you get to that level, it's not about the money. Money's just a means of keeping score for these guys. It's about a place in history. It's about a legacy. The thing I'm liking about Nick Kyrgios, I think he's starting to realise that. He's starting to realise that it's legacy and that he's got a chance and that he is perhaps good enough. Yes, and while he's temperamental and yes, while he does throw the sort of the toys and in the past he might have been a bit flippant towards it all I think he's starting to realise what he now does want that he does want to win the Grand Slams he does want to leave his mark in history 
He wants to join some of the greats. Is he the complete package, though? You'd have to still question his temperament at times. Is it a strength or is it a weakness? You'd probably have to say it's still probably just a little bit of a weakness for him. Great from a marketability point of view. But if you go back and you look at Roger Federer, Federer, if we said when he was a young player, he was incredibly temperamental and it was his Australian coach where he ended up later dying. I just can't remember Federer's original coach's name. He was the one that said, nah, mate, you've got to pull it in. You've got to channel your energy in the right direction. And hey, the rest is history. 10 minutes away from 11. Okay, six minutes away from 11. We are pretty much done and dusted for another night here on SENZ. Plenty of live football to look forward to tomorrow morning in the Champions League. The big news, if you have just joined us, that Thomas Turkle, the manager of Chelsea, has been sacked. One of the real high-profile managers. The first to go, won't be the last. Ruthless, ruthless world of professional football. Mind you, they're paid huge amounts of money and I'd imagine that they walk away with a lot of money in terms of redundancy. And the thing is, there's always that next job for them. And I think most people understand that when you become a manager of an English Premier League team or a professional football manager that very few are going to have longevity at one particular club. Jurgen Klopp, okay at the moment. Ateta at Arsenal, doing okay. Guardiola at Manchester City. But they are the exception to the rule, not the rule. We could learn a thing or two here, couldn't we? And then around some of our rugby coaches. Particularly you've got a coach who arguably is bastardising the brand of the All Blacks. Anyway, special thanks to Ben Francis. Ben, thank you. Good music choices as always, big guy. Well, a pleasure working with you always, mate. Okay, if you are travelling around the country, people, do take care. It's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure, and we look forward to doing it again. In fact, I think I'll be talking to people on Sunday afternoon up next. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.